Welcome to The Experience of You, a podcast on how to own your personal brand and have the mindset to get your goals and live your dreams. People who lead with an authentic and positive personal brand create the ultimate experience for others. And when they do, they get what they want, personally and professionally. It's not about likes and followers. Don't let others dictate your brand. Take control of it and own it. Throughout this podcast, brilliant people will help you learn how. I'm Dave Thompson, and here's this week's guest. Dr. Rebel Smith, an assistant dean for undergraduate programs at West Virginia University in the John Chambers College of Business and Economics. Rebel has a bachelor's degree in psychology, a master's in counseling, and a doctorate in higher education administration. Her 20 plus years in higher education includes experience in nearly every facet of the college world, financial aid, undergraduate admissions, advising, graduate school, online, and the schools of business. She teaches a freshman seminar every year for the incoming class at Chambers College. Welcome, Rebel, and thank you for joining me. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. It's a big responsibility to set the tone for the college experience for incoming freshmen. So let me start by asking you about the focus of the freshman seminar, what you're covering, and how long the course goes. Absolutely. We implemented the freshman seminar in fall of 2018 for the first time. Initially, we created this course to help with our freshman retention. We really want students that once they come, that they're able to be successful and stay and finish their degree. We teach students what they need to know to be successful in the Chambers College. So we talk about how to use a planner, email etiquette, time management, even financial literacy. So we walk them through the entire first semester. We meet once a week. We stress drop deadlines. When do you need to be making an appointment with your advisor? When should you be registering for classes? So they have a guide through that first semester so that they're more comfortable, they're aware of the resources and tools they have. We talk to them about the tutoring availability on campus and within the college, as well as the systems that we use that are totally foreign to new students. We go over them, like their degree audit tool and their information systems that have their student records. It's so important that we get them off on the right foot immediately. And this last year, for the first time, we implemented a peer mentoring program. So now we have an upper level student who has applied and was interviewed, they are placed into each section of this freshman seminar course, and they provide the student's perspective each week. So the instructor provides our perspective, right? And then the student is able to step in and and give an account that is much more relatable for students. And we had incredibly positive feedback at the end of the semester. And it was also great timing because of COVID. We were on Zoom a lot. We were on campus sometimes. And that peer mentor really helped strengthen that connection for those new students. And definitely during a very trying time. So the freshman seminar class, I'm passionate about it. I think it does a fantastic job. Our retention has improved since we've started doing the course. So I'm very happy about our successes. That's outstanding. I'm sure the peer mentoring really added a lot of value, as you said. It did. How has the college student changed or evolved in just the time that you've been at WVU? I have a 24-year-old and a 17-year-old, and there are significant differences between the two other than their gender. 
I think this early, this younger generation does question the value of college more. There's a lot of research out there that's showing they're starting to look at things a little bit differently. The student loan crisis is getting so much attention and so much press that they are really starting to question. So I think that's a little bit different. I think we have to talk to students more about how this is going to prepare them for a, a good, a better future. The other thing that I've noticed in this generation is it seems to me that they have a more difficult time making decisions for themselves. They are constantly connected with a huge number of peers, whether it's through GroupMe, Snap, or Instagram, and it's the groupthink. It's a discussion about everything. So they're accustomed to having a huge number of people that they that help them make decisions. And now we've asked them to think for themselves. Yes. And so sometimes that has to be nurtured and encouraged because they're much more fear, fearful of, of doing that without consulting their collective, their group. And in many cases, they're consulting people who don't have any more insight into the world than they do. They're just assessing what the temperature is amongst their collective social platforms. It's, there's a comfort there. Ooh, that's interesting. Yes. So that is really a good lead into this because college students are already in this phase of self-discovery and self-determination and through social, they're also trying to grow up, fit in and figure out their future. Then this global pandemic strikes and completely flips their current world and obviously casts a shadow over their future. So please share your experiences in this past year counseling students through this. Yeah, I have never seen anything like this last year. I consider myself a disruptor. I'm always looking for better ways to do things. And but the destruction due to COVID was not fun. Hmm. We had differing issues between incoming new students and then our, our returning students. So our returning students knew what it was like to be at WVU and knew what their experience was like. And that's what they wanted. And that's what wasn't able to be delivered. So there was definitely some complications and some issues relating to that. Our incoming students, they were so excited to be here. They had just finished a senior year that ended not as they expected. Right. And they were ready to put it behind them and just to move on. I, from my interactions with the freshman class in, in the fall, they were very engaged, ready to be a part of this experience. So they were excited. They didn't know any different. They weren't here before. Some of them did know the isolation was hard. They had some classes on campus, but then other than that, they, there was a lot of time spent in their residence hall. And so that was challenging. We did a lot of effort to try to connect our freshmen to our student organizations and our clubs within the college because they were meeting on Zoom. One of the assignments in the freshman seminar course is that they, they have to attend one club or organization meeting. They don't have to join it because that might not be their thing, but I want them to try it. So we work really hard about with trying to get them engaged we know that if students are engaged in, in their campus community, they have more of a tendency to be able to persist to graduation. That's pretty hard during COVID. So we did spend a lot of time really trying to connect our students. I think another issue, students who, who left unexpectedly in the spring, did they have Wi-Fi? 
that they have a safe place to go back to. There are food insecurities. So when students live on campus or live in a campus community, there's a support system in place. There's a food pantry. There's counseling. There's advising. There's, there's a, an entire institution of support. And that in a lot of ways changed drastically, whereas we still tried to provide those avenues. It was virtual. We, it was via Zoom. We saw a lot of uptick in our student participation because they're comfortable with technology. So our advising appointments increased. We saw more students than we have before. Our tutoring appointments increased. So the convenience was a good thing. So we actually want to keep that going. So we've learned some good things. I don't think we can return to normal. I think we have to create a new normal. And then really the last thing I want to say that was really hard is parents overall were generally not happy with their students having an online education, yet paying a full price Yes, for a full priced experience. So I had a lot of issues talking to parents and explaining to parents that the value of this online learning and what we were still doing for our students. And I think really just trying to reassure, comfort, let them know and understand what we were putting into this and what our result, what we expected our results to be, that students were going to, to do okay. And they, they have overall. Students have been amazingly resilient. What's been the return to campus rate versus, if you know this, versus those who elected to continue to learn from home? Okay, so that's interesting. In, in spring, March, we went completely online for the rest of the semester. And then in the fall, the WVU as a campus decided to be about 50% online and 50% in person. So to reduce the capacity in the classroom and to reduce the traffic and the, the people contact on campus. Some colleges had to be more because just by the reality of their curriculum, like agriculture, pretty hard to manage a farm online. And the creative arts, some of that can be done online, but maybe some of it cannot. So some colleges had to be more face-to-face. -face. We decided to put our freshmen face-to-face, -face, our graduate students face-to-face, -face, and then as many senior courses as we could. So trying to get the beginning and the end. And in between, there were more online. Hmm, more flexibility then. And, and it is interesting because I saw that Students wanted to be on campus for the experience, but they were fine with online classes. They found them convenient. Now, depending on the subject, some of them said, I would just learn this particular material much better in person, which is completely understandable. A lot of our students are online right now. And in the fall, we are planning for a normal on-campus experience at this point. We have not been, we have not had any indication that we will need to change our scheduling for fall. So we'll see. We'll see what happens over the summer. With your background in psychology and counseling, I don't think there could be a, a, any better qualifications for a university dean. So tell me how that works into your approach to the job. And I'm sure it's been significant because of COVID. The advising unit within the Chambers College is under uh, my purview. We have nine professional advisors and a director. And our advisors handle a lot of difficult, challenging, personal situations. That definitely has increased over the last year. We've seen a lot more difficulty and challenges with mental health. It 
it's becoming part of the advising experience. It's part of faculty experience as we deal with a lot of students who need help and they need access to resources. So thankfully we do have that available. But I think with my background, just with my understanding of cognitive development and learning theory and just mental health overall, it's just been helpful to me. It's a little bit more comfortable. These situations are, I worked in patient psych for three years. I feel like I'm fairly prepared and qualified to deal with some complicated situations. And I just think that they're happening more and more. A few years ago, they were still here, but I don't think to the level, you know, that they are now. So we really have to perform so many different roles, not just faculty, not just administrators, not just advisors. We really take on, we, we become whatever we need to become when we're working with students. I'm sure WVU has really concentrated on reaching out to the students, letting them know that these services are available. Yes, absolutely. We implemented a text line for, through our counseling center. So even if a student didn't want to call or do a Zoom, if they just wanted to text, that's possible. So we've, WVU has done a really good job of providing many different avenues of access to, to mental health. In that freshman seminar class, we talk about our Caruth Center, which is our counseling center. They do group therapy sessions. I love, I think group therapy is amazing. They do lots of different topics. And I share those topics with my freshmen that first semester. And we talk about that that service is here for you and you're already paying for it. Use it. If you need it, use it. So we really try, again, that's just part of, we let them know what resources are available on campus. And that's an important part. And we will also refer students in advising sessions or in a, you know, faculty meeting with the student that they might need to consult with the Caruth Center. That's outstanding. What are your thoughts on personal branding? And I ask that because it's unfortunately become so associated with social media self-promotion. And the self-promotion isn't the real brand, right? It's the presented face of their brand. And my first thought is that students don't realize the impact their everyday decisions are having on their brand. So when we talk about personal branding in class, I start the class with, I have them tell me one trait that they think describes them. And a lot of times it's, I'm honest, I'm loyal, I'm a hard worker. And we stress that that's the beginning of how they realize what they want their brand to be. And we talk about they're already determining their brand now, although they don't realize it. So if they want to be considered as hardworking and dedicated, then coming late to class, turning in assignments late or missing them, it's creating a different brand for them. And I think most of them at this age at 18 aren't connecting the two. They think that my brand is something I'll figure out later. No, it starts right now because your faculty members, you are establishing your brand with your faculty. A lot of career opportunities happen through networking and your faculty have could play a role in that. They might have a colleague from their past corporate experience, reach out to them and say, hey, I'm looking for this and this. Who do you know that's like that? And if you haven't started off on the right foot and gone about your life the way you want people to see you, what you think your brand is and what your brand is are two different things. That is. 
so on point because we see that all the time that there's one great book I read and the person said, we can only judge you by your actions. We're not mind readers. We don't know what your intentions were. And as you just pointed out, if they're only showing us an action that doesn't track with what they think their brand is, they're letting their brand be established in not the best light. That's exactly right. The whole purpose of this course is to just to try to start to make them think and realize the importance of, again, start out the way you want to continue and to end. It's just easier that way. So you just, you probably just addressed this question because you do teach personal branding in your freshman seminar and extend it. What else does the Chambers College or WVU do in this regard to help people understand their values and what they want to project for their brand? Sure. We, we do in a lot of different ways make an effort to educate our students about their own personal brand and how that is going to help them in the job market and secure that, that starting, that beginning opportunity, that first job. We have a Center for Career Development within the Chambers College. And they do just a lot of work and offer a variety of opportunities to our students to learn how to develop themselves and their brand. So they offer career exploration, coaching. They do mock interviews, resume reviews. So also in that first semester, our students do their first professional resume. Mm -hmm. It's reviewed by our CCD. They create a LinkedIn profile and a Handshake profile. And Handshake is what WVU uses. It's our job database. So internships, your real job, first job, those are all in Handshake. So that's where students will go and apply for jobs. So by the end of the first semester, all of that is set up and ready to go. So then they only have to update it every semester to stay competitive and to stay relevant in that system. Lots of networking opportunities. We have speakers that come in. We have meetings. A lot of the club meetings will bring in corporate partners. And we stress again that networking in a college of business is very important Yes, and they need to take advantage of those networking opportunities. And their brand is pretty important in that process. 100%. (laughs) Chamber sounds like it does a great job. And I was going to ask you, obviously, universities and institutions like WVU do a wonderful job providing a quality education. Do you think overall the educational system does a good job teaching them how to get a job? I've worked in lots of different areas of campus, and I will say that I think schools of business focus on it maybe more than others. It's a metric that we are judged upon. Schools of business, we track placement at graduation, three months post and six months post-graduation. So it's important to us that our students are placed, whether it's in a graduate program or in, in the workforce. And we talk about that from the beginning, and parents have that expectation also. Mm-hmm. When they come to orientation and their students are going to major in business, and I ask them, what do you expect in four years? And they all say, to have a job. <laughs> so that's just a purpose of a school of business. We are training and educating practitioners in accounting, in finance, you know, in information systems. We do work a lot with them on becoming career ready. Their personal and professional image. We, we have a, a career a professional clothing program with JCPenney. Mm. And I think it's only in the fall. I don't think it's every semester. So for the freshmen, I say, if you don't have business professional work clothes with you, go to this event. We have buses that run between WVU and JCPenney, and they're able to get quality 
career clothing at a significantly discounted cost. So I've heard a student say they got an entire outfit for $60. Yes. So we try to provide those kinds of opportunities so that not only are they ready mentally, but they also are, are they're, they're, they look appropriately and are dressed appropriately for their interview. So I think schools of business, the John Chambers College of Business and Economics, we do work really hard in making sure that our students have the resources they need to have that job. And I like to tell parents, we provide them with the opportunity, but we can't make them apply for the job in the database. Yes. And we can't make them go to the networking or the mock interviews, but it's here for them and we want them to access it. So that often helps because then mom and dad can help remind students and encourage them to take advantage. That really sounds like a fully developed program. I'd love to hear that. Is there any other types of programs, workshops, or content that you foresee in the future that either the chambers would add or that you would encourage the university to add? Sure. A couple of years ago, we started offering a career readiness program. So this is a program that students apply for, and they are allowed other opportunities that aren't open to the entire college. And that program is growing and it's developing more and more and our participation is increasing. So I see that program doing even more good and helping more students. I think more and more networking opportunities that we can create between a particular discipline and that major would be very helpful. And it's things that we've talked about. But the traditional career fair, we would like to see networking opportunities between the marketing majors and then all of the marketing firms that are attending the career fair. That just gives our students further exposure and ability to make an impression in a different setting and environment. So Mm -hmm. I'm hoping that happens in the future as well. Yes. One of the interesting programs that the head of the career center at the Temple's Klein School of Media and Communications they would set up a career fair, get a lot of wonderful employers coming in in the, in the marketing broadcast advertising arena. And then they had so many kids coming in to say, how do I prepare for the fair that she started a seminar workshop a week and a half before that said, prepare for the fair. And it yes. jumped into clothing expectations. We were teaching elevator pitches. We were teaching how to uh, research and prepare to ask intelligent questions. And it was overwhelmingly successful because they didn't even know how to approach a career fair. Mm -hmm. So it it really sounds like you guys are creating a very thorough program. This last year, prior to COVID, a few employers asked for a video prior to an in-person interview. And there was a scripted set of questions and the candidate has to prepare the video and submit it. And we were starting to offer opportunities for students to practice that and to get ready for that experience. Then COVID hit and it happened more and more. Everything became a video submission or then an interview via Zoom. So they had to quickly transition to be ready to help more students prepare for the changes. It's different from teaching somebody how to shake somebody's hand as opposed to making an impression via this crazy way that we're communicating now. Yes. And doing a video interview with no live person. They send you a link and there's a countdown and you answer X number of questions. You can't follow up. All you can do is try and 
create the right impression and answer as well as you can in a video interview with a faceless. Very different from what we have done in our <laughs> lifetime. Yes. What else yes. do you hear from needs? It sounds like the chamber schools really on top of preparing students for their career. Do you ever hear any other odd and interesting requests from the students themselves on their needs? I can't say that it's something they asked for, but one thing that I've noticed is their hesitancy in speaking up for themselves. Hmm. Now, there obviously you do have students that are very uh, self-aware, self-confident. They don't have any problems in class speaking, but I I see the majority of students seem to to be more comfortable being quiet and participating in different ways. So yes, in the classroom, instructors are coming up with different ways to engage these quieter students with cahoots, with, with different techniques where students can participate without having to speak. But I also want to teach them how to advocate for themselves. And they don't want to come to office hours and they don't want to talk to faculty because that's scary. So another assignment in that first semester is each student has to make an appointment and meet with their instructor. And we call ourselves mentors in this role because we are much more mentoring the student. So they have to meet with us and then they also have to meet with their student mentor. So that gets them more comfortable with reaching out, asking for an appointment, scheduling it, showing up and participating. So once you've done it once, it is much easier to do it after that. So then we stress next semester, if you have difficulty on a test and you don't, you're not sure how well you did and that your score doesn't reflect maybe how well you think you did, you need to advocate for yourself and go in and talk to that faculty member during office hours and talk to them about it. If you say that at the beginning, the panic, you can just see the panic on their faces. (laughs) But by the end of the semester, they're much more comfortable because we've pushed them out of their comfort zone. We've asked them to participate in some events and activities that allow them to practice that opportunity. So I think the biggest thing for me is just, again, really trying to provide them with the tools and all the resources they need to be successful, helping them pick them up and use them, and then encouraging them to continue to do that, even from that semester on. Sure. The invaluable push into into comfortability. Yes. Okay. Comfortability. It takes, it takes practice. Some things, you're, the first time you do it, it's not comfortable and it's awkward. But after you've tried it a couple of times, it becomes much easier. Excellent. So you talked about the traits that you ask students and, and what they stand for and what they pick up, pick out about themselves. What is the experience of you? You're, I've heard a lot and I'm, I'm so impressed, but as an assistant dean, you interact with faculty administration and students and what kind of feeling and impression do you strive to create every day? Sure. And that's such a great question. And I think it's something that's probably taken me a while to figure out through my various roles. And now I feel really good about it. I'm really comfortable in what that is. So for me, my personal brand is that I, I am a problem solver. I'm a fixer. I like to look at the way things are done and then I want to make them better. I'm dependable. If I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. And I am a student advocate. So if there's a policy or a procedure or a hurdle that's standing in the way of student success, I want to remove it or fix it. And I also am a staff advocate. So I feel the same way about my team. Mm -hmm. I want to make sure that they have what they need to do their job well, that they have the support that they need, that they have professional development opportunities, 
that they feel appreciated, engaged, that they know their importance. So I feel very strongly about a positive work environment, a healthy environment for students and for my staff. And I strive to provide that every day. That's wonderful. Now, flipping this equation, what do you respond to in others? What characteristics and traits do you value in your professional and personal relationships? Honesty and loyalty above all else. Mm. And then also clear and open communication. In a, in a nutshell, that sure. everything can be drilled down to that. And that's something that I'm sure you convey to your, your staff and the students in teaching them. I believe that you have to provide a visual example of what you expect in others. Mm. And that's what a, a good leader and a good manager does. So if I have expectations of my students and of my staff, then I have the same expectations of myself. Yes. This has been wonderful, Dr. Smith. Thank you so much. It's my I pleasure. Think- Again, thanks for having me. I love to talk about things like this. They're exciting. And, and it's often not something that people are aware of. And once right. you're aware of it, you're in control of your personal brand. Once you are aware of what that is and how that is exhibited every day. Absolutely. And I think that is the key, how it's exhibited every day, because a strong personal brand is based on consistency. Yes, absolutely. Dr. Rebel Smith, who is the Assistant Dean for Undergraduate Programs at West Virginia University and the John Chambers College of Business and Economics. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. Thanks for listening to The Experience of You. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others who are currently trying to land a job, transition careers, or are looking to improve their professional brand. To catch all the latest workshops, resources, and insights from the Career Coach Pros community, you can follow us on Instagram at Career Coach Pros and on Twitter at Career Coach Pros. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time.